Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. We look at government plans to defuse immigration protests. Some in Ross Gray are sceptical about state proposals for a community hotel in the County Tipperary town. Um, the former Grants Hotel is a derelict building. It's not fit for purpose as far as the town is concerned. It, you know, it's, it's dilapidated. It's out of use for 10 years. Tonight we ask, if not hotels, then what is the plan for housing refugees and asylum seekers. Later, frosty exchanges as the thaw returns after its long Christmas break, with Sinn Féin putting housing firmly back on the political agenda for the year ahead. They now put these homes up for rent, charging upwards of €3,000 a month. The increased level of stamp duty has applied to 1% of the total new homes built. Protesters in Ross Cray in County Tipperary have said they're sceptical about a government plan to buy a vacant premises in the town for use as a so-called community hotel, with some of them saying the property isn't fit for purpose. The plan to use the building has been proposed as a way of easing some local concerns about the use of another hotel to house asylum seekers. Well, I'm joined here in studio by Fianna Fáil TD James Lawless, Sinn Féin TD Matt Carthy, Irish Mirror political correspondent Louise Byrne, Town planner and urban designer Tom Phillips and Tom McEnany from Effective Aid Ukraine. And I'm also joined uh, remotely by local Ross Cray dentist Podrick Oraktagon. You're all very welcome along to the programme uh, tonight. Uh, Louise, I'm going to start with you first because it all was back. Um, there's a lot on the agenda. But how much did this issue in Ross Cray um, and protests elsewhere dominate the all day today? Yeah, there, it was kind of one of the big topics of the day. There was a few, but the protest in Ross Cray was definitely one of them. And I think the person that everyone was really keen to hear from was Michael Lowry, who was an, obviously an independent TD for the area. And he was making the point that he felt that the people of Ross Cray had been let down. He was very critical of how the government has reacted to these protests in recent days. And he was saying, like you were saying, this idea to purchase another hotel for use as a community hotel. He was suggesting that it's just completely nonsensical to take a hotel that was operating up until last Thursday and then try and put this other hotel that has been, you know, closed for 13 years. It's going to need a whole lot of refurbishment to suggest that this can be used instead. So there was quite a lot of anger. The other thing, I guess, that was discussed were those protests on Monday. We've all seen the videos. There were quite fraught scenes between Gardaí and protesters there. And at one point, there was Gardaí kind of linking around um, asylum seekers, women and children as they were trying to enter the property. Widespread condemnation of that, particularly from Breed Smith, who said that she was really angered by the scenes and she said she thinks a lot of people were. And I think there was also a lot of calls today for people to kind of 
of stay calm, to be careful of the language that they use and I think really not to inflame the situation any further than it already has been. OK, because the protests are continuing, although I think smaller than, than we've seen in recent days. Um, Tom McEnany on this issue, because you work, you know, effective aid Ukraine, work with people coming into this country from war-torn situations, but also have an interest in general around, I suppose, the migration policy and how we are handling it in this country. On the hotel plan, uh, specifically for Ross Cray, do you believe the idea of a community hotel as a way, I suppose, of pacifying or helping people who are concerned about services in an area where asylum seekers are coming in is a good idea? I think it's a perfectly sensible idea. I don't think it's a new idea. The government has made, has made money available for several months for investing in communities that are taking um, uh, significant numbers of refugees and people seeking temporary asylum. Um, so it's, it seems like a reasonably pragmatic idea if I were in Ross Cray, particularly because it's a dilapidated building, I'd like to think. It, 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 I would personally be welcoming it, uh, it coming back into service and it seems to meet some of the concerns in terms of the services available. Uh, because what we heard from Leah Vradkar was additional support for 10 areas in the country that have taken in the greatest number of Ukrainians and refugees. Um, but on providing those extra services, they're not something... I mean, would you argue that those services should already be in place when, when you have many new uh, entrants to a town to be accommodated? We'd all love to see an ideal situation where there is as much services as possible, both for Irish people in particular areas uh, and for refugees coming in. The issues that we have around services in Ireland were there long before refugees, uh, we, we, before we needed to take in Ukrainians and other refugees. The people who are coming from Ukraine now, almost all entirely uh, women and children, are coming here very reluctantly. They're people who stayed in Ukraine for almost two years despite the fact that there's been a war going on, for the most part, their mothers trying to protect their children or their mothers trying to bring their children out of a situation where they've become traumatised over oh, repeated shelling. So this argument about a stretch on services that we do hear from people um, in communities, and I suppose they won't say it's an argument, they say we are living with that reality. You don't believe that they have been uh, further exacerbated or, you know... Um, that there has been a further strain on services given the numbers that we have seen I coming do, into towns and villages across the country. Person, if, if, if one extra person comes into a town, well then obviously, logically, that's an extra uh, strain on the services. I do think we've had somewhat of a strong focus on the effect on um, uh, people in those towns and sometimes we lose sight of the effect of the, the, um, the refugee the, the women and children who are desperately fleeing a war. And we, we sometimes lose sight of the, um, what this means for them. All right. Okay. And that certainly, as Louise has stated, was talked about in the Dáil today and those images that we saw in videos that were circulating um, earlier this week. Matt Carthy, when it comes to Sinn Féin's view on it, what do you make of this government proposal, specifically for Ross Cray, but I guess it's an idea that they feel they could, you know, try and duplicate right around the country um, to have, you know, community-based hotels, services in place for, uh, for people who are accommodating um, refugees and asylum seekers? So on the first instance, I support, obviously, the concept of community-owned hotels in my own county. There is one. It was cited quite a number of times by government ministers. What they didn't say is that that 
hotel, the Sleeve Bay Hotel in Nakatalan is in a very rural area. Um, and it was initiated by local community who put years of in, in endeavours in order to, to de deliver it. But that shouldn't negate from the fact that the announcement, the suggestion that this might be uh, an answer in, mm -hmm. in Ross Cray, is that government are making this up as they go along. The, you know, the, the system is a shambles at this point. And if you were, and I've said this to government representatives, if you were to try and purposely design a, a, a mechanism to antagonise local communities, you couldn't go about it better than the government have in, in, terms, of, in terms of housing refugees. So here's the, the problem I have as an elected representative. Every day, every day I will get a message through my door or something put up on Facebook or a text message saying this building is going to be used to rehouse people or to house people um, seeking international protection. I then have to go to the department, try and get answers or whatever the case may be. Most times that is virtually impossible to get. And then about three days before a building is going to be repurposed, I'll get an email from the department saying, we're going to accommodate X number of people here this coming um, um, fr Friday. Now, I then have to go back to the people in the community and say, actually, yes, you were correct from the outset and the information wasn't provided to me. They will ask the obvious questions is, that, well, what happens to the business that was previously operating there? What's the impact of that going to be removed? What, you know, what impact on the local economy? What's the impact going to be in terms of the local schools preparedness? Are the local Gardaí aware that, okay. that, that they're that there are potentially issues. Are the local GP services, have they been engaged with? And the answer to all of those questions is no. There is the only criteria that is being used by government to determine where international protection applicants are being housed is the availability of a building. And what that means is that there's a small number of people that are making an absolute fortune out of this system and local communities are becoming antagonised right. I... and it's a system that is broken. And how we know the system is broken is because tonight 600 people who are seeking international protection are in sleeping bags on the streets and our towns and cities. That's not a system that's but working. Would, the more, failure people, of government would to... more people potentially be out on the streets if they weren't scrambling for this accommodation and using hotels? No, because in fact, I think the handling of this by government has made it so that there are a huge swathe of people who might have appropriate properties who won't engage with this because they don't want to become at the front line of that, oh, um, of that debacle with their local com communities. Okay. So the entire handling of this, right. it means that in many respects, this situation is going to get worse. All right. Um, what would you say to what McCarthy is saying, in essence, that government has allowed for a contentious situation to be set up from the outset, that a lack of communication or speaking to locals before a decision, when a, de a decision is arrived at, means that there's automatically backlash to it before it's even come yeah. about. Yeah, well, look, at it. I think Sinn Féin, as we've heard from Matt tonight, are trying to have it both ways, trying to come out and condemn the government, saying it's a shock and disgrace, there's 600 people in the streets, and then in the other breath saying, but you shouldn't be forcing refugees into communities without consultation. Sorry, that equation doesn't actually uh, compute. The real issue here... You've got to go to Matt. The real issue here... No, but just on, on that, Matt, on that issue um, that Matt was saying, with that, that if there was more, um, you know, buy-in, I suppose, from local communities sure. around providing yeah. um, accommodation, that, that then you... you wouldn't have this scenario and they wouldn't be met with such protests. There's some truth to that, but I, I don't completely agree. There are some people that would be opposed to the proposal full stop. Whether they get six months, six weeks, six minutes notice, they'll be opposed to it. There's a middle ground, and I've been engaging in my own constituency uh, with this for the last two years, but no multiple percent has been proposed. There's a very significant middle ground to say, look, I'm not opposed to the idea. Tell me more about it. Who's going in? How many people? What service would be provided? Etc. Etc. I think the, one of the problems with this whole situation is that normally... 
if there's going to be a population increase in a town or village, we've seen it the commuter belt for the last 20 years with natural growth, but it happens gradually. As a new estate is built, as the planning process is followed, there's a notice put up on, on the sign, it goes to the local county council, people can make their observations, etc. And people then begin to move in, you know, each house is, is, is filled in. But the difference here is that we've got a couple of hundred people dropped in overnight to a centre. So, so in some cases, a village of 600 people is now becoming a village of 900 people or mm. even 1,200 people, as opposed to the okay, traditional you, growth. So you can see why there's that reaction. Of from course, someone. completely. Um, and I'm not here to say that everything's been perfect so far. Uh, but let's be real here. We've been in an emergency situation. So Ireland has gone from being an outlier yes. in Europe to having very low know, levels of look, immigration. We are, we are, we are well, aware, we're well, well aware of the yeah. numbers and, and so, how it has come to so, this. So my view, my strong view is, and I've said this on, on, to the Minister and to many, uh, to many, in many debates in recent weeks, we need to go from that crisis mode, firefighting mode, to a planned actual operational That's mode. That's kind of been said for the past year. I feel like yeah, we've been in yeah, studios well, maybe, talking yeah, about this yeah, for months yeah. on end. Well, but to be when fair, we, we we've had a huge influx to managing okay, this so, in the but, medium but, and long well, term. Well, let me answer that question, OK? So let's look what happened in the last 18 months. We had Putin's war in Ukraine that was declared in February of 2022. That is now going into its second year. Yeah, there was an initial year. expectation. But let's be real about this. Yeah. There was an initial expectation, I think, around the, the global community that that was going to end by the end of the year, those people might have gone home. So that didn't happen. They stayed here and many more came over. OK, well, someone um, pretend that actually from the outset it was it was yeah, pretty... Sure. It, it was said that that would not be the case. But none of us are crystal ball, OK? And, and the best geopolitical observers haven't been able to predict that OK, one. look, I, okay. because that argument has been trashed but, but, out about but, but Claire, moving I'm from emergency to, to medium and long-term planning. I mean, you could say yeah, the whole... Uh, yeah. There's a paper out and ending direct provision, you know, 2020. Sorry, let's pick that one up. That's really important, OK? That's a Catherine Day report, which was commissioned before Ukraine even happened. Right. So that is not... You cannot... Take the to see changes within three years. Pre, but the pre-Brexit, pre-COVID, pre-Ukraine yeah. world is okay. very different okay. from the world we're in now. Let's be real about I mean, that I, as well. The question is, do you throw plans out the window in that case um, when these things happen? Or do you actually then try and work with those plans but work with them with, with expediency? Tom, I, I want to bring you in on this it. point. Um, from a planning point of view, and James mentioned there, you know, there's a difference between in an estate or, you know, there's the launch of a new housing development. People know there's going to be, you know, an increased number coming into the community and there's a there's a slow burn to that and people can, um, you know, voice their opposition to new yeah. developments and all of that. It's, it's not the same situation. But um, what way do you think government could handle this better from a planning point of view? And, and, and you see a... a, 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 a number coming into a population in a very short space of time. I suppose one of the th th things, and the deputy is correct, that you do on, a, on an application, it takes several years to get permission to build a scheme. And like, and, but these are happening overnight mm. or in, within a matter of weeks. And the, this is called exempted development. So the government have said that you don't need planning permission for these. So a lot of these developments would need permission in a normal event, but, but this is not a normal event. And there's 27 different uh, types of property that can be used. But obviously the focus is on hotels because a lot of these, like a church, for example, this building we're in, the studio itself could be, technically would comply. But it's, it doesn't have the toilets, the shower facilities and all the, the kitchens that people need. So the, of the 27, the one that's most obviously suitable are hotels. And that is a huge displacement factor in local communities with the people being made redundant or let go for the period while the, while the hotel is being rented. So we, we're not in an ideal world. Yeah. And one, on the, the, on but the, the one issue question, of hotels, do you yeah. think then hotels are a good accommodation solution um, in this time, as in they are immediately, there are you know, private rooms available to people with, with bathrooms, with those toilet facilities and all those well, things that you mentioned. Of the 27, I mean, it includes churches. Uh, army barracks would be very good as well if they were empty, but they're not. So between army barracks and hotels, they're the best of the 27. But a lot of them aren't. 
And one of the issues that in the exemption, the list of, of criteria, the six, very short, it's only two pages long, that the, that the local authority must be informed. That they're the only people who need to be informed, is the local authority. Nobody else, none of the local community, none of the shopkeepers, the dentists, nobody else. And that's something that should be looked at. Mm. Because in a conventional application, everybody's informed. Because it goes, it goes yeah. on the newspaper, a national newspaper, and it goes on site. So but that really, I believe, you know, should change just... Well, it, it has. But it, then, it, then yeah. of course, you could say, well, then that lead gives longer time to people who are opposed to it mm. to put in place methods to I stop think it from medium. I think we have. It takes too long for planning application. Mm. But this has been done without any planning. Once you have a fire certificate, mm. uh, it's bang overnight. It's exempted development, as Tom says. And that was put through, in the, again, in the face of an emergency situation. Do you think that's right? No, I don't. I think we're two years on. I think it made sense at the time right. in dealing You're with the emergency... Government. Yes, but I'm also a realist and I speak my mind. Um, okay. So we're two years into this and I think we need but to get a real about it. not everyone's on the same page on it. Um, I just want to ask you, uh, Tom, is there a rule on when a hotel should be used and when it should be avoided for accommodation? Say in Ross Cray, they're saying this is our sole hotel. Um, and you know, how important, I suppose, is it to rural life to a community from a planning point of view to have, okay. to have a hotel? It's hugely important. Actually, funny, I was looking at the Tipperary development plan. There's only one reference to a hotel in the whole document, and that's to do with zoning. So it doesn't actually say it, but every planner will know that they're hugely important. And you can take the Dublin City Council development plan, which has concerns about an over-concentration of hotels in particular parts of the city. So, so hotels are hugely important. Like a place like Boyle County, Roscommon, lost its hotel a few years ago, and, it's, and it has really affected the town. So there's, it's the multiplier effect. It's all the other businesses, mm. the tourists spend, all these other issues are it's very important. It's also in many rural towns, and uh, I was an MEP, and across many counties, particularly in the Midlands and the West and along the border region, the local hotel is more than just a local business. In many ways, it is the last public amenity that yeah. is left. It is the place where public meetings take place. What's it's the place where celebrations take place. It's a place when, yeah. when you know, if there's a funeral where okay. visitors can, can stay. When you remove that out of a town or a village that has already perhaps lost its Garda station, has already perhaps had its local school under pressure in terms of, of numbers, that creates, creates huge societal problems. And this was here. This issue What's the arose before. What's the alternatives? So the alternatives have, have been set out. The, are the alternatives are, are providing bespoke accommodation where it's needed. So we need to improve the migration system. Building centres. Are, protect, are, protect are you talking about building standalone centres now? Are you talking about building standalone centres and fast tracking planning the, around them? The reliance on private operators <clears throat> has been in place since Fianna Fáil introduced direct provision as an emergency, emergency measure in the 1990s. The reason that has been left in place is because and only Fianna Fáil could have invented some system that dealt with the most vulnerable people in the world coming to look for, for protection and created vested interests of people who had a monetary interest in keeping the system mm. in place. And th that system was put in, kept in place. And then when that system became under pressure, okay. the first port of call, the emergency accommodation, seeking hotels to take over hotels, actually happened long before right. the war in Ukraine. And, it has got, and at that point... We spoke to government, we engaged with government and we told them no, in private like, conversations that this I, system is yes, not Tom, working, it's like not to, sustainable. I'd like to bring you in on the this. Because some of the country's <clears throat> alternatives are very clear. And James said, uh, I'd like to know what, what the plan B is. Mm. We don't need a plan B. We need the government's own plan A. The government's own plan A back in November 2022 was that we would fast-track the renovation of derelict housing and that that would be done by March 2023. The government's own plan A was we'd, we'd move from emergency accommodation to assistance that involved modular homes and those modular yeah. homes between them and the fast-tracked renovation would would help. There's still only a small number of people, about 6,000 people that and that would be brought in that would be brought in by March 2020 
2023. Yeah. And we're now on the cusp of March 2024. And to my knowledge, none of those modular homes have been have been I've have been produced. I've heard the number sites where they're being they're being put in place at the moment. But none of them are there. No, I, 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 as far as I know, not one family has been accommodated in any of that accommodation that was supposed to be on stream almost a year ago. Well, and it was that. a relatively that, modest. That's useful. Okay. This was just if I can just because I'm specifically answering your question yeah. in terms of how do we move no, away no, from no, emergency no. accommodation, yeah. and I'm saying the government's own plans for moving away from a from emergency accommodation are something that it's failed to deliver on. Mm. And if it can't even get the first 6,000 mm. um, uh, uh, two years, almost two years after this war has begun, mm. well then, uh, how can it credibly talk about moving on to the next 6,000 or, God forbid, the next 60,000? Because it's not right, right. leaving aside the effect on community, yeah, James, it's not right that these children should, Ukrainian children should be brought up yeah. in hotels oh. in Ireland. So just I suppose we're not just talking about Ukrainian children as of well, course, because the, the subject spectrum. of these sure. very yeah. protests world's yeah. right international protection sure. applicants so uh, james just to respond to that mm. but obviously it frees up space and mm. and 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 how mm. uh, the mm. government handles that yeah. that you've had time enough yeah so just to and respond to Thomas' point so thomas made i think it's really helpful through the constructive uh, contribution uh, there the property has been brought back into use and modular accommodation so many many of the properties that we're seeing around the country are old abandoned Convent buildings, mm -hmm. army barracks, you know, there's not some, as many of them, perhaps older hotels that, that have not been used for some years, uh, older properties that are actually being put back into use. So that actually yeah, is happening, and we're actually is, seeing we've that. We've talked about the hotels being contentious, though. No, no, we've but talked we're talking about, about a hotel that's a gone concern. There's other hotels which have been shut down, yeah. uh, which oh, are yeah, being repurposed. They've still, they've, still, they've still been problematic. But, but the whole point about but, the modular, but, 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 just on the modular housing front, yeah. what's happened with that? How long does it take yeah. to build a modular home? Um, I'm not a builder, I don't, I, I don't know. But I do know, because I've been speaking to builders who but, do build them, who tell me that they're in production, they're in large scale. And I've been speaking to the minister. It's a matter of And I've been speaking to the minister. And this is a, there's a big emphasis being placed on this, I think, since the summer of last year, getting modular homes into the community. I know families being accommodated in modular homes at the moment already, re re refugee families, Ukrainian families in some cases, uh, my own constituency. And that's being rolled out across the country. So that is part Tom's of the thing that's coming not. through. But it's not cheap, it's not quick, and it's not easy. Well, maybe some pre-existing modular it cheap? homes. Is, is it potentially cheaper than what we have now? Uh, which, is paying, no. which is paying, you know, uh, hoteliers or f former hoteliers yeah, or other people yeah. an awful lot of money to accommodate It may not people. be available as quickly, but I said that, that's what I'm saying here tonight, that part of the plan is to transition to a more sustainable operational phase, which moves away from this crisis management mode. Let's, um, let's talk about the pressure on rural services that we have heard from many locals in Ross Cray and elsewhere. And I want to bring in uh, dentist Patrick O'Roctagon. Uh, thank you for joining us on the programme tonight. You are a dentist in Ross Cray and many people who gathered at that hotel actually referenced dental services and the delay they have in seeing a dentist in the town. How long does it take to get an appointment at your clinic? There, can I answer that question in a second? There's a few things I'd like to help your uh, panel with. And I'd firstly like to say that uh, the matter of Ukrainian refugees is very personal to me. Um, my mother-in-law was a refugee from the Ukraine in another war, it seems like as if there was there is only one war in Ukraine. There was another war. So I am very familiar with the difficulties that Ukrainian refugees faced from the last, since 1945. Uh, I've been to the Ukraine and I've assisted some Ukrainian families settled in Ireland. So I'm fairly well versed and I have a very close affinity to uh, the Ukraine and Ukrainian families. Uh, the second thing I'd like to point out is that uh, for the benefit of Tom and James, um, I live about 10 miles away from Rathdowney, where 42 modular homes are completed. 
in about nine months and were occupied uh, just before Christmas. I drove around it. It's a beautiful development and it's a shame that we haven't been doing this for the last 10 years. Now I shall deal with the dental issues in Ross Gray. Now I've been a dentist in Ross Gray for the last 34 years. And since 1994, we have had a truly good quality of uh, comprehensive service for basic dental care for everybody, children uh, through the school dental service mm -hmm. and uh, for elderly people and medical card holders through the medical card scheme. And then the people in the middle uh, were deemed to be were helped by their PSI contributions and the PSI scheme. And I've seen the most dramatic decline in dental services that you could ever witness. And it's very disheartening to have spent 30 years as a dentist uh, in Ireland. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And to see things far worse uh, as far as dental care and dental services are concerned, uh, 30 years after I started. And Potter, just to ask you, I mean, how do your, does your wait, I think you, you, you're saying it's the end of March or something before you can get an appointment with you at the moment. Uh, yeah. How does that compare to other providers? Because you don't take medical card holders. Is the wait far longer elsewhere? Uh, there's one dentist in um, Ross Gray who has a medical card contract. Spoke to him this morning. And uh, he tells me the wait is somewhere between four and six weeks. Right. So how, um, I mean, how do, you know, new arrivals in a town impact on that? It might seem like a really stupid question. You're going to say, look, naturally, we're going to see a, a bigger wait. Or does it, does it play out like that? That's what I want to know from a practical point of view. Because um, we have the arrivals and people, families arriving in Racket Hall. But Ross Cray has hosted... Um, other refugees, other asylum applicants? Now, this answer might sound trite, but the reality is that it doesn't impact at all because there is no service. There's no school dental clinic in Ross Gray, none. Um, there are no dental facilities for anybody with a medical card, and that includes um, Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers. And so there is no impact because there is no service. Okay. Nothing to be, nothing, uh, nothing to begin with is what you're saying. So an added strain just adds to a problem that's already in existence. Let's get the panel back in on that. Uh, Tom, just uh, Tom Phillips, in, on, on that. Um, I suppose. Look, you'll say in planning purposes, services are critical, aren't they? Um, and when when we're looking at expanding communities, and when the government is talking about providing extra resources, 
these services are critical to that, are they? Well, they are, and it just strikes me that when you're trying to apply for planning commission for a housing scheme under the SHD or the, the current, the large-scale residential schemes, you, the, an applicant and developer must show that there's sufficient crash numbers, there's sufficient uh, capacity in schools, there's co sufficient capacity for bus services, there's sufficient uh, community services. We have to do social infrastructure audits for our, our applications. And yet the, these schemes are coming into towns where they haven't undertaken that. So the government should do what they expect the private sector to do and to show that these... And, and a bit like Porig, I'm the, the, the son-in-law of a refugee as well for, after the war from the Germany, and they face a lot of trouble, and he's been very successful. And I think... Something about losing the whole debate is how good these people are. Mm. I have a house in the West of Ireland and they have a Ukrainian family living in it and they're fantastic people. And one of their neighbours are two orthopaedic surgeons who can't get a job yet in Ireland because their English isn't up to a certain level. But they would be fantastic in our health service. So we have to look at the benefit that refugees... Like my father-in-law, who's 87, is still working to this day and has been a huge contributor to Irish society. And these people will be if they're given the chance. So the government just needs to, to, to apply to itself the same uh, requirements they would put on the, on the private sector to deliver housing. Louise, is there a point to that politically that it needs to be looked at in a different way and quickly? I think so. And I think we are at the moment, even though we are two years into this, very still much on an emergency footing. And I think things like services, it, everywhere is under pressure. And I think that's not a problem that's been caused by refugees or asylum seekers. That's an issue. We haven't had enough doctors for years. We haven't had enough nurses, enough <coughs> teachers. And this is exacerbating the problem. And it's going to when you have a huge amount of people coming in. So the Taoiseach is now talking about looking at the 10 districts is the word that he was using and seeing what other services can be put in place but at the same time if a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a guard doesn't want to go to these areas well then how do you improve the services so and it's the, going to have to be real proper government planning here and the, and the irony the great irony is that many of those doctors teachers nurses dentists are in other parts of the world because we haven't been able to provide a housing solution um, to to them and this i think when listen to pork when he's talking about the dental services it is a very familiar story, and as Louisa said, you see it across the health services, you see it in other numbers of services, and you see it within housing. And now you're seeing it in terms of international protection. And it boils down to this government being unable to actually I just put want to give in place yeah. plans yeah. and to James, manage and, to and deliver upon those plans. Yeah, give a response to that, because that was a promise made from the Taoiseach. I mean, how, how will you be able to fulfil that? Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things, and I think Tom Phillips' point there about, um, and indeed Podrick, about the, the medical and the healthcare people, this, this is part of the solution as well. Immigration is part of the solution to service provision because I read today in Tempest Street Hospital there's 65 different nationalities as part of the care and healthcare mm. team there. So by bringing in more dentists, by bringing in more doctors, by bringing in more nurses, by bringing, bringing so that, more healthcare professionals... I mean, but that's your solution now in the, in the crisis term? It's part of the solution, so we have a couple of hundred thousand... So what do you do when Porrick says, do you know this problem, it isn't even, it isn't even well, that I'm we're going to see it worse because I can't get much worse. dental treatment in Ross Cray. Seriously, tonight. No, but, um, but, but, no, no, but just on the services, he probably paints a picture. Like, yeah. we've spoken Absolutely. to GPs in Monaghan. Yeah, who and, say, and I wouldn't have dealt with that issue in my own constituency yeah. of rural GPs. And uh, uh -huh. once listen to that, if one solution is the rural petitioner allowance can be restored to many uh, rural surgeries, I had that done on my constituency. There are yeah. solutions. Um, but we have to look at, I mean, I don't know why, what the situation is, the medical card holders in Ross Grey. I think part of says they go up the road to some other town. I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, and I'm not expecting to. a contract in place that's acceptable to most dentists. Well, Matthew, you're an expert in Ross Grey, maybe. Yeah, I'm not. 
And, but I think that's I'm the, an but, expert but on rural communities and the pressures oh, that are on them as a result we of have huge, failures. Okay, briefly. We, have, we have a huge number of migrants contributing positively to the economy, including services, including mm. professional services. We've recently massively expanded the work visa program across many, many right. professions, and that will enable these people to come to work, to provide services here, okay. to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. All I right. think that's we, a good thing. We will have to leave that conversation there for now. And my thanks to Tom McEnany, Tom Phillips, and to Padraig O'Rachtagon, who joined us on Skype tonight. James Matt and Louise are staying on with me to talk about a heated first day back of the new doll term. Stay with us. Welcome back, Fianna Fáil TD, James Lawless, Sinn Féin TD, Matt Carthy and Irish Daily Mirror political correspondent Louise Byrne are still here with me and we're talking about the first day of the new Dáil term. Yes, that is right. It is just the first day back today, um, well into mid-January, Louise. Um, a nice long break for the politicians, but Mary Lou Macdonald putting the issue of housing firmly back on the agenda for day one. Yeah, unsurprising really. And, you know, it's 2024. There's going to be a year of elections. We've local and European elections in June. There's kind of a working assumption at the moment that we will have a general election mm. at some stage this year. So it seems that Sinn Féin have gone back to what they are good at raising all the time. And that is the issue of housing. And in particular today, they were speaking about their motion that was to be discussed tonight. And that was a bid to increase the stamp duty for bulk buying of properties from 10% to 17%. Now, we saw a case last week of homes in North Dublin, 85% of that development being bought for an investment fund. And this is Belcamp Manor in Bell Griffin in Dublin. That's the one. And that has caused considerable anger because I think a lot of people thought that that couldn't happen anymore after the government introduced a policy in April 2021 mm which said that under this, you know, if they increase the stamp duty, that this will put people off book buying properties. It now appears that that's not the case. So Mary Lou Macdonald obviously raising concerns about this and raising concerns about her own motion. Um, Heather Humphreys was actually taking leaders' questions in lieu of Leo Varadkar today, who was meeting the Chinese Premier. And she, and I think this is really interesting, and I think this is going to be something that we see a lot. You know, mm -hmm. she was obviously raising you know, the government's own record. She was saying how well housing for all is going. And she was also having a dig at Sinn Féin. We know Marilyn MacDonald before Christmas said that she wanted to get an affordable home in Dublin down to 300,000. The government really grasping on that the last couple of months and really targeting that, saying that it's irresponsible, saying that it would lead to negative equity and really fires, shots fired across the chamber. And I think that's something you're going to keep seeing, especially on something like housing, that is going to be such a key issue during right. the elections. Let's talk specifically about the investor and the concerns over bulk buying of, <laughs> of homes within housing estates and the Belcap Manor and Belgriffin being um, noted there. I mean, the government made a song and a dance about stamp duty and measures mm. being introduced so we wouldn't see a repeat, I think, of what we saw in the housing estate in Meath, where so the, a large... Minutes. Yeah, well, minutes, I beg your pardon, um, to uh, for getting that wrong because it was in your constituency, yes, James. I know it okay, well, so yeah, all the more yeah, pertinent. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that and yeah. the fact that there was such a big deal made of it, but we're seeing yeah. a repeat. Yeah. We're seeing it yeah. happening again. So, in response to the Mullen Park uh, situation, uh, the government, so residential stamp duty is 1%. So, if a normal person, individual, first time buyer buys a house, it's 1% stamp yeah. duty. For institutional investors after Mullen Park, it was increased to 10%. And I think across the board in the Law Chamber, that was largely welcomed, you know, probably probably some exceptions, but that was seen as, as a good move and the right move to make at the time. Sinn Féin have now turned around today and said, well, actually, 10% isn't enough, it should be 17%. In Interesting House 17, now why not 18, why not 16? But anyway, that's what they're saying. But is the 10% working? 
Um, I think it must be because it's the first time we've seen this situation since th three years ago well, with Mullen Park. But it's so quite an extraordinary but, 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 but situation. It's the first that's been reported yeah. on. Yeah, we don't that, know if it's happened that, elsewhere. Let's talk through, though. But, the, but the 46 of the 54 units yeah. bought by an investment fund, so that 10% stamp duty didn't put them off one bit. Yeah, so it appears that some of the funds uh, consider that it's still worth the purchase, even at 10%. But institutional investors comprise 4% of all houses purchased in the last year, OK, according to uh, the stats. So institutional investors are not the big players in the property market, despite what some right. might suggest. 96% of houses were not bought by institutional yeah. investors. But, I mean, just to get back to that very no, but, but point, and this that, issue this that, is that you saw, you know, um, so um, so sharply yeah. in your constituency. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I presume you said to people, never again, this isn't going to happen. So I actually did a bit of homework on that, uh, and I investigated, and I spoke to everybody involved in that, from the council through to the planning agents through, through to everybody else. And that estate had been through, the one in Maynooth mm. had been through uh, around the houses in terms of it was going to be social, it was going to go to a approved housing body, it was going to go through the council. And after the digs and the reels two years later, eventually went to an institutional investor. But the point here is the institutional investors will finance development, new developments, in many cases on a buy-to-rent rent, uh, model, but those are often houses that wouldn't be built otherwise. Okay, but so it's that's not, not a case of, the case. No, but it's not a case of going in to buy it under the nose of a first-time buyer. It's a case of saying, oh. we will fund increased supply so it's actually right. either have no houses get... or have, have this house, which is then available for rent. So, look, right. it's not and a this deal. This is an argument. I just let's... want to get Matt Carthy in because yeah. we don't have a huge amount of time. Yeah. But Matt, in on this, and we, we heard this from James, that what he's saying is those houses, homes wouldn't be built otherwise. No, well, that's not true. What, so there's a couple of things that James has said that need to be corrected. When government in introduced this scheme as a result of the housing in Minute, and bear in mind, Sinn Féin for years have been raising the issues of vulture funds, bulk buy-in houses mm -hmm. and denying ordinary workers and families the opportunity to get those houses. When government introduced the, the, the scheme as a result of the public outcry and pressure from the opposition, we told them that the 10% level wasn't enough, that it needed to be increased um, to 17%. Who said that? The investors themselves. They said 17% was the rate that would, um, would keep them out of the market and out of the market they should be. Since government introduced those, those, those measures two years ago, not, this is the first instance, 1,200 houses, Pierce Doherty revealing the doll today from figures released by government, have actually been purchased by um, investors. They're being now rented out to people at the rate of about €3,000 per unit. So not only are they denying people the opportunity to buy those houses, people who have been who are desperately trying to save in order to get a, right. a, get a mortgage. Well, Not only are they pre preventing, but then they are the fleecing them, absolutely fleecing yeah, them with rent. So here's, the, here's what should happen, um, James, and you should join me in saying this. There should be no um, space, no scope whatsoever for vulture funds to buy houses that are available, that have been built, that would otherwise be sold what? to ordinary oh, okay. workers so and families. So that should figure, be a principle okay, that you should, be, um, you should be, so um, quite happy to stand. We're, we're saying there's about 30,000 houses been built on average in the last three years, right? That's about 90,000. Matt's saying 1,200 homes were built by what institutional investors. That equates to about 1%. Right. That's the same figure the head of the office gave in the doll today. Homes and a so actually, it's 1,200 homes in a housing crisis. 1,200 too many. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? Well, if I get a chance... Which may not have been built otherwise. So the point, and we're talking about Matt likes to use the phrase bills. "vulture funds." Sorry, these can are I, purchases. Matt, sorry, can these I speak? Are can, can I speak? You can't can I speak? mislead. Can I speak? You can't mislead, and can you speak? are misleading. Okay. You are misleading. Are you finished? If you stop That's misleading, fine. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That some would contend, and in fact, it's been reported that they aren't. They're they're actually on 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 developments that have been fully funded without investor help. There are some, but there are also some like Mullen Park that went around the houses before it found a buyer. That's one case. But the other point is that it's not just vulture funds. It's also pension funds. It's also credit union funds. Institutions 
institutional investors, there's a very large pool of financial institutions. The likes of Matt would like to throw vulture funds in because, you know, it's a loaded phrase. Obviously, I don't like vulture funds either. Nobody does. But uh, pension funds, uh, long-term investment vehicles, uh, which includes credit unions, which includes deposit okay. savings that many And specifically on the have. issue of, uh, I suppose, stamp to see around housing, are you still saying, look, when it comes to investment funds... That's what it's paying for. It's, it's involved in pensions and other matters, so the, we have the, to take that into consideration. All the reports will tell us uh, that the money that institutional investors put in the market, by and large, there may be few exceptions, 1%, mm. by and large, they go to fund developments that wouldn't be built otherwise. So it's not taking from the pool, it's actually adding the to the exceptions. pool. And it's also adding and the to exceptions. the exceptions. The one in Park and the one we heard about today in, in North Dublin. I mean, okay. they're obviously exceptions. That shouldn't be happening. I don't like that happening. I, I don't want to see that happen again. Okay. Um, but and would something be done about that? Uh, no, government well, rejected our motion well, tonight. Well, throwing a motion in the first week of it all back. The other thing, I think the opposition were given out, we didn't discuss Gaza. They chose to put housing as their motion. They could have put Gaza instead. You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, you should have debated this, but we're going to use our time for something else. You know, make up your minds. Not quick response. Well, I, I think there are a number of issues. What we wanted was the doll collectively to have an opportunity to talk about the International Court of Justice case that South Africa has taken, to, okay. um, um, t- taken right. um, Israel to because Israel is in flagrant breach okay. of international law. Right, but the that, devastation that they have caused in Gaza so is because we we and as there, we have done on many occasions. That but that that if we had done that, you wouldn't have an opportunity to speak we're on out it, of time. You know, James. We're out of time, so we and it must be said that it was people to speak in support of the people. We're out of time. It must be said that it was people before profit who brought that up today, and the doll was suspended briefly as a result. Well, my thanks to James, to Matt, and to Louise. Coming up next, the upcoming care referendum. We debate. Welcome back. I'm joined now in the studio by Professor Mary Murphy from Maynooth University and Professor Emeritus of Dublin City University, Colm Kenny, to discuss the upcoming referendums because in March voters will be asked if they wish to amend the Constitution to provide for a wider concept of family and delete an article of the Constitution to remove text on the role of women in the home and insert a new article to recognise family care. But we're going to focus on that care referendum here tonight. Um, and both from opposing views on that particular subject. Colm Kenny, I want to come to you first because I want to give you each an outlet, 30 seconds, just to state your views on it. You're calling for the referendum specifically which changes the wording around the state recognising the life within the home of a woman, wants to change that. You believe that that referendum should be voted down. Tell us why. I think it's a waste of time and money. I think it weakens the protection for women in the Constitution who have some kind of a promise that they'll not be forced by economic necessity to work outside the home, however however weak that is. It weakens that and replaces it with a meaningless formula that nobody has actually demanded. This is not a referendum about a, a former words that anybody in particular wanted, as far as I'm aware. I think it's, it's being criticised on all sides. And it's the latest in a number of, of referendum that are more about distraction from the real issues than anything else. It'll cost 15 right. million. And I think that's not money well spent. All right. OK. Uh, clear and succinct. Um, Mary Murphy on the issue. You're advocating for a yes vote. Why? 
Well, I think it's important to be nuanced and to acknowledge that many people feel uncomfortable maybe about the degree to which the wording doesn't go far as what the Citizens' Assembly, for example, recommended or the Oireachtas Committee on Gender Equality. So I think there is actually a lot of demand actually through these bodies for the referendum. It's also really important to listen to women, to acknowledge the reality of their lives, listen to their voices. And I don't think it's a distraction at all. I think it's the first opportunity in 87 years for women in particular, but for everybody, to get a chance to vote out what has okay. been a historically controversial sexist clause right. in our constitution. Okay. I think women want to do that. All right, OK, so let's get straight into the arguments there. You know, what column has asserted that it's meaningless, it's a distraction? Um, you're rejecting that. What we have had radical referendums in this country, and the criticism around this one is, you know, it's, it's symbolic over, over real substance. What do you say to that? How will we see real change yeah, with this? I, I think it is true that it is more symbolic than a lot of people want it. I think a lot, the Citizens' Assembly and the Oireachtas Committee on Gender Equality both advocated forms of words and specific investment in care. And I think that's the reality of it, that we need to use the space the referendum offers to delete the original clause in the Constitution, but really, above all, to campaign really strongly for investment in care policies. And I mean a really wide range of care policies that actually will socially value care work for both men and women, right from elder care to people with disabilities, making sure they've got the support and assistance that they need. And how do you believe it will affect that autonomous. change? I think, well, from what I see in terms of working with women's groups, with listening to the debates in political circumstances, there is a fairly serious demand for better support for care. We hear about it all the time in relation to But does this referendum do that? Do this the referendum is part of a wider political context in which I think women are articulating how difficult the reality of their lives is right now and how difficult it is to manage care okay. in their lives. So a first and step I think towards it, it a is a first step and it's a first campaign. step that's been very yeah. well debated in citizens' assemblies, okay. in the Dáil, even in the Dáil tonight, it's very clear there is real demand for investment in care and the okay. referendum is a way Gosh. of opening up a debate okay. about that investment. Uh, a way of opening up the debate, Colm Kenny. Uh, it, it does nothing for the things Mary's talking about whatsoever, not alone does it not open up debate. Well, I think I'm listening to different women. Women I'm talking to, young women particularly, young men too, because let's not forget men are part of the home too. They're finding themselves under severe financial strain, young families. They want more time, if anything, with their children. Uh, they, 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 they are being forced outside the home. I don't see what a referendum that shifts the responsibility onto families away from the state, how that's advantageous. Because the well, new... Well, the it new but but, it, but uh, specifically, it, it references a, a woman's life within the home and it changes that to make it a family's, I suppose, a family's life uh, and the bonds that they have and the care that they give each other, it, it, deleting it the reference that. to yes, a woman. it leaves the responsibility up to people, actually, to... Um, it leaves the responsibility up to people themselves to uh, look after their home and it strives to support that, whereas the present... Uh, the present uh, legislation says that the state shall endeavour to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by economic necessity to engage in labour to the, to the neglect okay. of Would you be happy if it was mothers and fathers? Would you be happy if it was a man and a woman? I mean, is the issue... What's the that's issue a, with, with replacing... Simple... With replacing... Um, you know, that the state recognises that by our life within the home, woman gives to the state a support yeah. without which the common good can be achieved, replaced by the state... Rec recognises that the provision of care by members of a family to one another 
uh, gives the society uh, to that's, society that's only a support without the common that's good only part of it. What they're actually doing here is they're removing a provision. Yeah. Don't forget, this was put in by Eamon de Valera, whose own mother had to give him up and send him back to Ireland right. two years after he was born in New York. He wanted a way to try and protect women. Now, the present constitution doesn't go far enough, but what okay. the government is now putting in is actually going right. backwards. Mary it's, it's, it's that this was the ever about protecting women. The context was a time right across Europe when women's role in society was severely okay. diminished, when the concept of women's citizenship was relegated to how they were seen as wives and mothers. It really is a historically controversial sexist and demeaning clause that really should go. But I said earlier it's part of a political context. There has been a citizens' assembly that looked very widely at what was needed to promote care, as did the gender uh, equality constitution. Yeah, because on that, committee. the citizens' assembly voted in favour of stronger wording that would they oblige did, yeah. the state mm -hmm. to take reasonable measures yeah. to support care within the home and wider community. Yeah. This was ignored. Yeah, and I think it's up to the campaigns around the referendum to put the focus back on those reasonable but measures. But the wording has been ignored after that. The wording, though, no, I, I agree with you, but it's up to us to make sure that the political system isn't allowed continually ignore that wording. There's general elections coming up, there's European, there's local elections Maybe coming up. That. There are opportunities to really put in place a here. demand for care policies, okay. universal pensions, home care, work-life family balance, all those kind of things that can actually make the reality of care in people's lives easier to manage in the present context. Um, it's all wrapped up in the same thing. Colm, um, Roger O'Gorman saying, you know, if you're progressive then you will vote yes to this. I mean, would you think that, you know, a no vote, you're worried about it being labelled as a regressive move um, and being labelled as, you know, conservative and, and not in moving with the times. We've seen kind of remarkable referendums taking place and people voting for real change and that by voting no to this is a step backwards. Roderick O'Gorman, I think, is insulting people's intelligence by using language like that. The world isn't divided into right and left, conservative and progressive on issues like these. You look at the issues as they arrive. He, he is one of the, the government has promised to fight disinformation. The government is putting out the notion that there's something in the Constitution about a woman's place being in the home. There is no such provision. Mm. This is a distraction. It's going to cost 15 million euro. It's going to close down schools for a day, actually. And women who, at the moment, are hard-pressed enough to work outside okay. the home and find care for the children I, are going I'm to have to look... I'm very confident that women understand the reality okay. of their lives and they don't want this clause in the Constitution and they will vote to take it out. Great. We'll have to leave it there. There will be more discussion guaranteed about this ahead of the referendum. That's it from us. Good night. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.